comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is not here. But this is one of our special bonus commentary episodes, and Abe, you know, he comes in and out, but you know, I think he's just too afraid of the dark, because this week we are talking about Pitch Black. We are going to do a commentary, a whole audio commentary for the film Pitch Black, the unrated Blu-ray version. Um, Out Now is normally a film podcast, which has Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. However... We like to do these bonus episodes every now and again. We haven't done a commentary in some time, so, you know, why not? We have Riddick approaching soon in the theaters. We figured why not do one for Pitch Black, one of, arguably one of Vin Diesel's best movies, I would say. And um, we'll later confirm those thoughts, because joining us, well, joining me, I have uh, from the Naptown Nerd and WhySoBlue.com, the man with, a dr- with drug-filled tear ducts, Brandon Peters. You aren't afraid of podcasting, are you? <laughs> and... From the long box of Doom, Walking Dead TV podcast, and the Nothing's On podcast, he's on the run from Cole Hauser. It's Jim Dietz. I like to podcast in the dark. <laughs> All right, guys. How are we doing? Terrific. Great. I'm Ter- excited territic. to see this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to finally see a Vin Diesel movie that isn't Iron Giant. So let's do it. All right. Well, <laughs> we... Um, as people know with these commentaries, we tend to we try to we all try to sync them up together. So currently, Jim Brandon and I are all about ten seconds into the film, like the Universal logo is just kind of popping on the screen, and we have it all paused right there. So I'm going to count down from three, and we're going to get this going. But uh, you know, everyone else is just you know listening to this commentary without watching the movie. Uh, you know, good luck with that. I mean, <laughs> people tend to like these regardless of if they're watching the movie or not. But uh, you know, it does work. We do sync it up, so we're going to do what we can here. So here we go. I'm going to count down from three, and on the sound of go, uh, we'll just all press play. Good? Good. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So, Aaron. Yes. This is the uh, film from uh, writer-director of The Arrival, David Toohey. We, yes, The Arrival, which I believe we The meant. Arrival. When did we mention this before? I feel like we We have mentioned it like three or four times. The Arrival of Charlie Sheen, one of the best sci-fi movies of the 90s, I would say. I, I really like that movie. It's a really smartly made movie. And it does star Charlie Sheen. It does two of those things. He's also the mastermind behind Waterworld. I mean, don't sell the man short. Yeah, David, yeah. David he Tui is an interesting... Um, it's, yeah, he, uh, Critters 2? <clears throat> <laughs> anyone, he, anyone Critters 2? Yeah. There's a, uh, a perfect getaway. He uh, worked with Sheen. He wrote another Sheen film, Terminal Velocity. Ooh, classic. He wrote G.I. Jane. And a movie that was shown on HBO way, way too many times, Warlock, with oh. Julian Sands and Laurie Singer, Richard E. Grant. I remember that very well from what I he had. Kicked, he kicked the extended that series basic, off. basic cable package. Uh... He wrote and directed Below. A movie I've never seen, but I've always heard good things about, and I've always wanted yeah, to see. Yeah, yeah. It's like a good and, sub- uh, submarine movie. He had Imposter too, which 
That's a Philip K. Dick adaptation, correct? With Gary it, Sinise. It, 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 they yes. say it is. They say it is. And, and Vince D'Onofrio's in that too. D'Onofrio, and I think it's like, uh, I think it, it's no movie if there's no Mackay Pfeiffer in there. So Mackay Pfeiffer's in that movie. It makes a better short than a movie. That full feature league film. I feel like the twist is that he actually is an imposter. Um, but let's get to this movie that we're watching, um, Pitch Black. I let's uh, let's get to some initial thoughts, I guess, because I, I like Pitch Black quite a bit. I think it's. I think it's a, it has a it has some good world building. I like the Riddick character. I think everyone likes the Riddick character. I'd be hard pressed to find someone that's like, oh, I like the, I like everything about the movie except Riddick. But um, I it's it certainly borrows heavily from other sci-fi films. But I think it does it has some interesting ideas, and I like the the you know the general kind of concept involving the darkness and what have you. But uh, Brandon, thoughts? Uh, it's a little weird for me. I had a one of my worst ever theater uh, theater going experiences with this movie. <laughs> okay. Um, I, we had where, where I grew up. Um, we had a dollar theater, which, if you remember back in the day, the dollar theaters were like the the worn down theaters that just weren't bringing in you know new people anymore. They weren't keeping them up to date, and they only had like two right. or three screens in them. Well, someone had the bright idea to take this one dollar theater in, t- in my uh, city I grew up in, uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, and. Uh, and turn it back into a first-run theater, except for um, they didn't, like, remodel anything. It kept it same as is. And the first weekend it opened as a first-run theater, it had Pitch Black and happened to be the only theater showing Pitch Black. So I, I went to go see it, and uh, the the picture looked like it had been passed around through Grindhouse theaters in the 70s almost, and then the sound was so low. Like... If someone sneezed, you missed like lines and lines of dialogue. It was really low. We kept we talked to the theater manager and stuff. They're oh well, we'll get on it, and it never the volume never went. Imagine this opening scene, uh, like like you're listening to a YouTube video on your phone, mm. with no speakers in your ears. And uh, and it got to a point where my my friend I was with yelled out, "I was watching Predator in my bedroom louder than this." Some people clapped, but they didn't do anything about it. But um. So it was really hard to like immerse myself into this movie, which is a it's a really solid little sci-fi horror thriller. Um, I did take some things from it that I liked a lot. I loved the, the character Riddick was awesome, and I really with this movie and not thinking of like a franchise after it. I don't know that there's a character who you follow around with in a film the whole time and he survives that you still don't trust him at the end of the film. Hmm. And you still don't get his agenda, which that's is, an interesting that's an interesting point that we can talk about later as the film yes, carries on. As the sure. film carries on. But uh, and some other things I'll point out later. But I, I did think the film was okay and I never really revisited it till now. Now not this not this uh, commentary, but not too long ago. I didn't get to see Bob Pitch Black on a big screen in theaters, but I did buy it on H D D V D. Uh, when I got one, an HD DVD drive for my Xbox 360 back when such things existed. So I've seen it a few times since then, just to, you know, as the novelty of the HD DVD, you know, it's like, hey, hey, I actually have three of these, you know, and Pitch Black is one of them. But I always thought it was a good little movie. I, I just, I really, I, I love movies that are, the, especially in science fiction and fantasy, it seems like a lot of the uh, entries in the genres can just be way too overblown with a fake sense of epicness and yes, chronicle yes. Riddick. <laughs> and uh, yes. I thought this was like uh, very, you know, the scale of this movie is very cool. 
I always thought it was. I always thought the the, the grouping of, of characters is kind of weird. It was almost like they they have like a bag full of you know different character uh, archetypes you know mixed up, and they're like, okay, who do you want to survive the crash? And they reached into the bag, you know. Yeah, but few, few uh, movies are more ragtag than the team that they, yes, we have presented yes, here. Motley, even I would say. <laughs> yes. But uh, you know, I, I just really I thought, like you said, it's a good little a smaller movie, and I I really appreciate that about it. The scale of it made it really work for me. You know, that they kept it on a more human level and not tried to go for this epic, giant you know chosen one scope that you know that the sequel did. And I mean, it says a lot about the Reddit character that in the original version of this, he he dies, and they rewrote it so he could live so the character could go on to you know create an ip franchise so it says something about the appeal of the character and of vin diesel i mean this was this was my first real look at vin diesel i don't remember seeing yeah. anything before this yep i same here i mean yeah I, i'd be beside because you don't really think about him in saving private ryan until after the fact but uh it it certainly is the i mean this movie and we'll, we i can talk about this right now actually this movie opened you know you know when this movie opened Back, uh, february 2000 on the same weekend as Boiler Room, which also starred Vin Diesel, and um, he, he he was certainly coming coming up in the world, and uh, yeah, you have I mean that movie and this movie. I mean this movie he's clearly the I mean he's the him and Rod is he first build? I think he is. I think he's first he build. Be, but, yeah, then Rod. I mean, at, at the time, Cole Hauser is probably the biggest name in this movie. I mean, the guy, the person some people have seen the most, because Rada Mitchell did a lot of European films. Yeah. And, uh, and this was, like, her first... Keith David, perhaps. Well, yeah, Keith, well, Keith David, I mean... Yeah, Keith David's a pretty well-known character actor. Rada yeah. Mitchell, to me, always seems like she's better than the... You know, I've seen her in this, and in uh, Silent Hill, and in uh, Red Widow, that short-lived TV series. But it always seems like she's better than her material a lot of the time. Yeah. I, mean, I just really, I really wish you, you know, somebody would take a chance to give her a really like nice, meaty role, similar to the one in this, the, um, um, you know, the, to let her, you know, really, really go. The meatiest role that I've seen her in is uh, Woody Allen's film, Melinda and Melinda. Yeah, uh, uh, which I right. think she's quite good in actually. I like that movie quite a bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, she loves she she certainly loves the genre picture. She's done a lot of those horror, thrillers, mysteries, sci-fi. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, like you were saying, I love this kind of science fiction where it's like a, a small story set in a bigger universe. Like the, the stakes are very like just personal and at the moment rather than trying to save the universe. Exactly. I think I think like end. probably the, the closest parallel to this movie would probably be the original Alien, you know, in yeah. a lot of ways. Um, you know, but um, that had that same kind of vibe, just very small, isolated story unto itself. Just, you know, we're telling a story with these characters. This is what we're going to focus on. And, and like you said, you know, we're not going to try to go for the giant opus as it were. Yeah. If these people don't make it, the world still goes on. I mean, we don't even know what the world is. Like, I, I like yeah, how this movie, this yeah. movie kind of, it's movie really throws you into the universe with very little explanation as to when we get what, maybe, maybe we got the year we get that we have interstellar travel, obviously, but I, I don't know if earth's like a factor at all anymore. I think we're just going different planets and uh, here we are. We're just in, we're in this place now. We get yeah, no, space travel has a lot to do with dryer hoses. It's a, there are a yes. lot of dryer hoses hanging out of the machinery there. It has a it it has a it inter, it, it works well because the the plot's pretty like you could this could not be a, this could easily just be a thriller that has no sci-fi elements and still work. They could be in like the wilderness per se, and um, you know still have the same basic plot beats to go through. And the the story still seems intact. So like you, you're here. You have this sci-fi element that certainly adds like an intriguing twist to it. But I mean the the, the plots, 
the plot works on you know a, a relatable level, I guess. Yeah. And here we see Riddick being dangerous with his boots, <laughs> even though he's strapped in and and uh, everything else, he's still trying to take it out on the, his keepers. You know, as much fun as we're gonna have talking about Cole Hauser, which I imagine we will. I do think his character is pretty interesting, the character of Johns, because he's... I, I, he's not who he appears to be. Yeah, I don't know why we're trying to not spoil this movie. If you're listening to a commentary for Pitch Black, I think you've probably seen Pitch Black, or at least don't care at this point. Or you uh, would watch it without the commentary first. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Johns is, you know, he's a bounty hunter. Uh, I think at first we learned that... I, do we even know that? I think we just know that he. We, we. I think we assume that he's law enforcement of some kind. Is that kind of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't right, think he ever really says he's. I don't think he says he's law enforcement, but he just. He doesn't say he's not, and kind of leads Rodda Mitchell's character to believe. Yeah, he's even dressed that way too. I mean, his name's on yeah. his shirt and everything. Like, he, yeah. So it's interesting to see to learn more of his backstory. You learn that I mean, he's pretty much just as bad of a guy as Riddick is. That's kind of where you end up with this guy. That's the. I mean. He, He's the most of of the humans in this film. He comes becomes the most antagonistic, opposed to Riddick does eventually. Even though Riddick's has questionable morals that we can get into later on as well. And I was a big fan of Farscape, so it was cool for me to see Claudia Black in this movie. Always, she's always a welcome sight to my eyes. Anyway, I don't know if you guys ever watched Farscape or not, but I did watch like the first. I I met. I was like gonna. I had this like goal to watch the entire series, and I got through like two episodes, and something happened, and I just never got back to it. I was liking what I was seeing, but I just. I think something. I think David Tui was like a. He's like a, a fan of. I I think like like he wanted Claudia Black in here for like a reason. Have that offhand. Maybe it's in the commentary with him. See, yeah, well, you guys are saying like Keith David is a recognizable character or character actor, but like his character in this is kind of. I, I don't, you just you don't. He's kind of expendable ish if you line up all the characters together. Yeah. You can see him getting. Right. I mean, Usually he's a, lot, he's a lot more of a tough guy, hardened character like you see in They Live or something. Whereas in this, he's more of, he's, yeah, like you say, he's, he's more of a, he's you know, a, another tally mark to be killed, you know? Yes, yes. And arguably one of the sadder characters, because he loses both of his children in this movie and still yes. lives. Oh, you spoiled the whole emotional crux of the movie. Ah. Oh. I also like, and I noticed this in, uh, in, in Pacific Rim, too. The, when they when they have the uh, the space you know the space you know ships and the space hardware over it actually looks like it's been used and lived in mm-hmm. you know that's something yeah. that really drives me nuts a lot especially with CGI and in, in science fiction movies now it just you know they make everything it just look you know shiny and new and it really tends to stick out this really I mean it looks like you know they've been in the ship for a while you know it's it's beat yeah. I agree and like how in the world does this take place in the same place as the chronic world as chronicles of riddick it just uh, it's just budget i mean that's yeah it's but and go and just going huge but man like this is a world like i i you know i feel like i can you know i can touch it i can imagine what it's like riddick it's just so fake in comparison i'll just have to blindly agree with you because I, that is kind of the feeling i have I, I've, I've seen riddick twice i saw it once in theaters and then i, I my, my mom is actually a fan of Riddick, so she, she liked The Chronicles of Riddick. Apparently, uh, so I bought it for her a, and I watched it again then. It has a cult following, but I'm like, I, I want to know their... I mean, I can understand why. I feel like if you're like if you're like a like a 
Well, like, because Vin Diesel's a D&D guy, but if you're, like, into that kind of role-playing type world, I think Riddick has a lot to offer in that kind of sect of, of building out these this universe and having all these different planets and creating new, like, character classes and races and the, the Furies and all that stuff. I think there's a... Yeah, there there's, is, there's, a lot, there's... there's a lot to admire about what he what two is trying to do with that movie and trying. Yeah, to make, I think uh... the fantasy aspects of that movie really appealed to Diesel, and that's why they went so heavy in the film. But ultimately, I, I agree with you, Brandon. They just did not work, especially. I mean, like you said, this is a small, tight little thriller that could have easily been done on a wrecked ship on an island somewhere, or you know, didn't have to have the sci-fi elements. Riddick is all about the sci-fi and fantasy elements. And uh, you know that's why it's such a contrast from this, and I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't like it as much anyway. No, for sure. Yeah. No, you know, all respect to your mom. I mean, oh yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of the movie either. I feel like it has, it, it's it's way too long. As well. I mean, that's that's my biggest issue with it. It's way too long and try to do way too much. And that and it's just it's like it's not that fun. Eventually, you get these great moments, but let's talk about this scene for a second, actually, because this he actually did before, that, yeah. didn't he? I think it's it's like a he, cut, like there's some kind of cut where. Hold on, I think it's in the... I had really like, they CG'd his, uh, his cuffs on him, but he actually did the shoulder... Here's, here's the IMDb trivia. Vin Diesel actually performed the shoulder dislocation stunt when Riddick breaks free for the second time for the crew. Holding a chain between his hands, although he couldn't do it with the cuffs on, the version we see is mostly him with some special effects thrown in. So, I mean, yeah, for the most part, yeah, he actually did do some uh, crazy work there to, to bring his arms all the way around himself, which is really neat to watch <laughs> yeah and i just wanted to shout out really quick i know we mentioned this before we're on the air but um the the uh, riddick video games uh at least uh, you know um uh, assault on butcher bay and uh like you were saying uh, assault on dark athena are totally solid i mean usually licensed games are not that great but these i mean they were both really well done i thought yeah for sure in terms of the riddick universe and i do like the fact that there is a riddick universe um I, the video games are my favorite iteration of the character. Right? The, the the first one is particular Escape from Bushy Bay. Like it, the, it's a very cool stealth game. The mechanics are all there. The voice actors are all. I mean, very, Vin Diesel was heavily involved in the game's production, and he was able to get a good cast involved and everything. It's just a really well put together video game that really capitalizes off the Riddick character and keeps it keeps the themes of Pitch Black alive too, because you focus so much on the darkness aspect and trying to keep quiet as opposed to being an out and out you know action game as Chronicles of Riddick was, <laughs> essentially. I really like the use of the different colored uh, filters, too, when they're outdoors. Yeah. Like, you, know, you got this kind of, like, wash, this, like, yellow wash now, and we'll see the blue wash in the twilight later. I just, I thought it was really uh, yeah, this, effective. That was one of my main takeaways from this film the first time I saw it, how cool the cinematography was for a movie that's called Pitch Black. You get this extended, op- or not extended, but you get it, you get this whole first act, essentially, that, that focuses on capturing what this planet is and why it's, why it's a desert to begin with because you have these three suns that go around it and it creates this really it, it gave Tui's ideas for this were really interesting because it gave him an it let him create a kind of a distinct visual palette for the film early on before just turning all the lights off completely and even then the film still looks interesting yeah and you know I like too they have these little is it water devices that they're sipping out of or are they oh yeah they're like, they're like these yeah these these make because like the uh, you get these again, like you kind of throw you into the world without having. Yeah, like the, you the get tech these, yeah. is is like really cool, and and you know you can you buy it like uh, compared to where they go next time. Yeah, and so like you get 
you we get it a little understanding that the oxygen's kind of thin there because it's not like Earth and it's not like terraformed, but it has some kind of atmospheric level. So they can kind of breathe, but they have these little devices that keep it out. They also have these little you know water devices so they can you know keep themselves hydrated because they're in a desert. And it, it just it's these little little bits of information that really keep this world. I mean, since you're on this one planet for the duration of the film. And it's a desert, so it's like, how do we keep that interesting? And you, I mean, they came up with some good ideas, especially on the budget that they have to make it to continue making it an interesting film to, to both watch and find out the details of, along with you know, following along with the story. Yeah, if they had maybe a film between a feature film between this and Chronicles of Riddick that sort of started introducing a lot of stuff that where of where they go to Chronicles of Riddick, maybe it'd be better instead of like a straight jump. Into epic filmmaking and, and overload and overloading you with like planets and ra- you know new races and peoples oh, yeah. and it, it's just an like, you go from this simple little thriller to I mean a gigantic universe that's I mean pretty fast paced in what it's overloading you with it's it's quite a jump it's yeah it's a big think, info dump for sure I think yeah. it's because Chronicles of Riddick could probably stand as like two films if you stretched out some of that material. Oh yeah, there's, there's yeah, so definitely. much. There's so much put in. I remember hearing like David Dewey, like he he had like tomes that he that he put down to Universal of like what he had to, as far as ideas for this the uh, for the next couple movies went, and so it's I'm curious of like what what changed for the upcoming Riddick, which seems more like a big budget remake of this movie. Yeah, it's. I, I have a feeling people will go won't be afraid to go back that didn't like Riddick because of the appeal of what the third one looks like. Going back to what they liked about the original, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, sell that trailer short either. My wife has never seen uh, Pitch Black or Riddick, but after seeing that trailer, I think before um, must have been before Man of Steel, uh, she was interested in seeing uh, the, the new Riddick movie. So. Well, you know, it'd be interesting to see how it does. It seems like it's kind of it's it's wisely just focusing on the fact that Vin Diesel plays a badass character in some sci-fi world. It's not trying to connect itself to anything else explicitly, even though you know people obviously know that this character has existed before. But it's you know it's doing a. I I enjoy what it's trying to do in its marketing. Do you, Do you think the the Blu-ray will end up being called the Chronicles of Riddick Riddick? <laughs> uh, I won't be I won't be surprised if there's some kind of fun box art play with um, putting all these films together or will they change chronicles of riddick to just chronicles well even this movie's called like it's now called like what chronicles of riddick pitch black like it's it's still called just pitch black to me yeah (laughs) that's what i call it and say it always always be pitch black to me here's more fun stuff too that we don't quite ever get like like we're just we're walking through like a a graveyard of bones here these giant like these giant alien beasts that we never see in the movie and something that Alien did well too, just like you know, having that ship. Mm-hmm. That well, I was just gonna later, say it's very, later very much reminiscent. Yeah, I was gonna say it's reminiscent to me of them finding the space jockey. Yeah, you know, and all the all the fossil fossilized bones and things like that, and uh, and the original Alien, which I just rewatched not too long ago. So um, that's why maybe it's still fresh in my mind. I mean, it's fair. I mean, that's a movie that's yeah, that done heavily inspires a lot of the the mechanics of this movie for sure i love this stuff with just vin diesel working in the background like oh yeah they're all like clearly looking for him and he's just like whatever <laughs> i can do what i want so I'm, I'm that good
And we kind of talked over, um, I mean, how this movie set itself up. Rada Mitchell's character is also quite interesting because you start this movie off where she, she, I mean, her ship was crashing. She and her co-pilot, well, the main, the, like, the captain was dead. And so she and the whatever, the other guy, were, are trying to land, they're trying to land the ship. And she had to make this decision of, I'm going to try and kill the crew right now because I want us to survive. And that option was taken away from her. Well, they it's, weren't crew. They were just or, travelers. Yeah, the, the travelers, yeah. the passengers. Like every, she was concerned of saving herself and the other guy that just happened to be in there with her. And so you have this whole movie now devoted to her thinking about that thought and what it what it's going to mean to her, and that's going to lead to like what the ending is. And it's 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 an interesting it, these characters for a B movie. There's all these characters have little interesting tidbits about themselves that kind of make it work. Yeah. Well, and she's wrongly praised for saving their lives. They all think yeah, that she exactly. saved them. I do like this bit here where, you know, Riddick is kind of uh, stalking her, you know, with her, her her hair and, like, almost stabbing her, but not quite, and while she's talking. And like you said, he just he just doesn't care. He's, he's enough of a badass that he, he will take his own sweet time with these people, you know? And he also, he did consider killing her, too. Like, did that happen just then, or does it happen a little later on? Where he, like, he, and when he, because he, he, cause Riddick knows that she could have killed all of them, and she chose not to. And I think it's because he finds it interesting that he leaves her, he leaves her alone, and wants to see where this, how this plays out. You know, with Rada Mitchell's character, um, it's, it's interesting. She kind of reminds me, her placement and how her art goes is uh, a lot of a, Saffron Burrows in a film a year earlier called Deep Blue Sea. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a very good comparison. Yes, it, I mean it's it's like, wow. Was that the one with the super shark that eats Samuel L. Jackson? Yes, that's right. Sharks. Okay, I do remember sharks, that movie. Sharks can't swim backwards. I still <laughs> want this toy. I want this toy. Where can I, I get this toy? I'm pretty sure Cole Hauser and Tom Jane in those movies can play brothers in some other movie. Yes. Oh, he has three sons. <laughs> and a daughter. Who, Keith David? Yes. There's a daughter? Not in this movie. Not in this movie, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he loses all three sons? When does he lose the third son? I guess we'll I'll see. <laughs> I forgot he has three Wait, sons. Wait, isn't, isn't the third one Jack or Jake or whatever? No, that's... No? No, because that she's because that's a that's a girl. <laughs> well, yeah, but is she dressed like one of them. No, I mean, I mean, they're all clearly like Muslim. <laughs> like, I forget her story. I don't know why she's there? Let's see. He's just she's just there. <laughs> Even she, see, even this person has like a, a weird arc where it's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. <laughs> Who was then not cast in Chronicles of Riddick because she, because she was not like tough enough, I believe, something like that. Or she didn't grow up to be hot enough. She didn't grow up to be yeah, that makes more sense. So they recast that character. So it's like that character wasn't brought back, and Keith David's like killed off in the first twenty minutes of Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> So would you say, like, like they have a little model so they can help you, know, you can help, help the audience visualize how this works with the three sons and whatnot. It's neat. Now that I like how that's incorporated. It, it, it could be played 
cheesier, but it, it kind of works in the film. What were you going to say, Brandon? Sorry. Uh, I was going to say, so would you say the transition from this to Chronicles of Riddick would be like going from uh, A New Hope straight to Attack of the Clones, effects-wise? Yeah. <laughs> and trying to say they're, they're, they fit, but there's only like a five-year gap between. Is it five years or four? It was four years. That was 2004, so... I'd say if you put a, the original Alien and then Prometheus right after it, it might be close. Because yeah. I mean, you have a lot more of the 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 um, the strange, you know, um, chariots of the gods mysticism, weird stuff going on in Prometheus too. You know, that really wasn't there in the first Alien movie. That's very yeah. in terms of establishing kind of a greater universe. But I mean, even I yeah. think Attack of the Clones. I mean, it's also just you know not being a good movie. And um, yeah, <laughs> that's and, not a but, good movie. Right? But <laughs> like, yeah, I was has, just going visually. Yeah, no, yeah, be, I get what you mean visually, but it's also you know it's a it's a lot more. It's a lot more, um, you know, globe, <laughs> planet trotting in that movie as well. You can say globe trotting. <laughs> yeah. A lot of good editing in this movie, by the way. I really like the editing style here. Like, it really, it's making good use of the. It, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Guy just got shot. But you have that scene earlier where he's, like, digging, and it's just using, like, some neat cross cutting in that action. You get some cool stuff with the. Uh, with like this scenes just now, like right here, you're gonna get this like whip zoom over to Riddick. That's pretty fun. That one right there. This one, this one actor seems. <laughs> yeah. Hey, have a beer with Riddick. One actor seems like the guy you'd hire if you couldn't get Matt Ferrer. <laughs> yeah. Cole Hauser. shut up. Shut. <laughs> I got the subtitles out, so I'm just reading. It's, it's ridiculous. There's Riddick. It's just fun how he just pops up all over the place, and I love this. It's like, I, where's I love, Waldo? Yeah, yeah, I love this. This um, this, uh, in terms of kind of the the way the sun plays an effect on the world, I love this one the best. This like steely blue. Soon, eventually, get our first taste of the uh, the aliens in this film. Who plays the wine connoisseur guy? Alien attack brought to you by Shaky Cam. <laughs> yeah, the, here's one thing that totally dates it, makes it feel. I mean, I know this is 2000, but this is totally a 90s thing. Is the effect with the uh, where they like stretching? The aspect ratio out. Yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, like Star Trek: First Contact is, has it a bunch, and like uh, Alien Three. It's like the Relic do that. It's like yeah, I think so. It's like, kind of like just kind of nineties monsters movies. Yeah, I don't get what what effect that's. I mean, what is that supposed to generate or anything, or just is it supposed to just be weird? Is that I get? Yeah, it's gonna give it? you like a sense of the unknown, and it's something that I guess worked in one movie, so every director copied it. Yeah, it just doesn't. <laughs> I mean, it may have been a music video technique too. But... That would not be surprising at all, actually. Because yeah. I mean, D- David Fincher used it in Alien Three, and he was a music video director yeah. prior. So, and we're but not getting, we're not it, it just that. severely dates the, <laughs> these movies. We're not getting the uh, hype Williams fisheye lens. So often. no, that's, no. <laughs> I could say hype Williams fisheye lens. You're like, yep, that's a '90s music video director right there. <laughs> getting jiggy with it. Um, 
So is, is it uh, kind of funny that Riddick bangs his chains in the uh, new one the same way he does in this? I think they're certainly uh, trying the, to be... The callback. Yeah, they're trying to go for, uh, you know, people like these things, I guess. <laughs> yeah. People, remember when he just banged his chains around? Do that again. Yeah, notice they're doing callbacks to this movie and not to Chronicles. Yes. That we know of. Well, isn't isn't uh, in the trailer. Carl Urban in the in Carl the Urban's movie? in it? Yeah, he's bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm like based on how because Chronicles of Riddick ends where he's just like he he, he becomes king, right? Yeah, he's the king. Yeah. He's king of the castle, and he's just kind of sitting on the throne. He slumps in his chair. It's like, all right, now now I'm this again. Um, so I'm curious of like how it's going to grow from that to like Riddick being on the run on another planet. <laughs> they, yeah, if they say it, it didn't looked... happen, I'll go with them. Yeah, it looked more like that. The new movie took place like right after this one. You know, he's a you know wanted criminal. He's got a bounty. You know, all those kind of things. Whereas even Chronicles the, of Riddick, he was the chosen one and all that other crap. So, even the beginning of Chronicles, it starts off like this one, where he's isn't he like on the run in that film? Like he's yeah, he's he's on the run, and then he's also. I mean, there's a portion of the film where he's incarcerated, imprisoned. In yeah, so, which is I which mean, is I like the that part. Of, yeah, I like the prison stuff where he's stuck there and. It's really everything that involves like the whatever monarchy systems going on. That's the stuff that slows that movie down for me. But I mean, everything else in Chronicles of Riddick, I think there's. I mean, it has solid action for sure. Like there's a, again, there's a lot of good things in that movie. It just doesn't add up to like being one that's a sci-fi film for the ages in any way. Yeah, I mean, there's there's too many long stretches of absolute boredom <laughs> in it that just. And I mean, there's none of the action sequences that are really that good. Well, there's the, there's that trailer shot of like that thing falling on top of him or whatever. <laughs> and like, yeah, and a lot of it looks just so fake that it's hard to get. I for me personally, get into it. Doesn't like the um, one planet, like what, like this, like on the prison planet, like the sun, like it's always burning that planet or something. And, yeah, it's like 700 degrees or something outside. Uh-huh. Yeah, you could tell in that movie there were a lot of moments that you, they they expected the audience to be in you know enwrapped in awe and wonder, but actually just kind of inspired the yawns. Yeah. It's like, well, it was also like the um, near the the beginning of of uh, that CG period, or near the end of that CG period where CG really looked like CG a lot. Like yeah, I, well, I point it wasn't to the first bad, Raimi Spider-Man just... movie. You know, yeah. It's like it looks it looks good, but you can tell that it's CG because they didn't really get the you know, the texturing and shading like they have now. Um, so, like, like most yeah, of the I, Star Wars prequels, it. yeah. Yeah. Good example, yeah, it's a real good example. Where it's like, oh, this looks cool, but I I'm totally don't believe anyone's where they're at. Trying to get those Rada Mitchell down shots, guys. I am. <laughs> hey, now. And apparently there's Rod Mitchell Ash. <laughs> the hot desert where they filmed was actually about 50, 50 degrees Fahrenheit. They were, mist, they were misting water on the actors to make it appear as if they were sweating. Hey, only lady who knows how to drive the ship. Why don't we put you in the deep, dark cave with the monster? <laughs> I like how it goes from like a cave in like the like sandy rocks to like immediately a set. <laughs> That's the cave now. One of the few normally lit scenes. Yeah, yeah. Now, in any movie ever where they put a rope around the person and lead them into a cave or a room or whatever, has that ever worked? 
Have they ever, like, every single not movie, had it always, it, they always pull back it, the rope and there's nothing on it, it, it. Yeah, it never seems to lead to the rope coming back of the person attached to it. Yes, Regardless exactly. if that person it died does. or not. The only time I think that ever worked was Poltergeist. <laughs> yeah. Or make the movie where they all they do all the precautions and just walk out and be like, well, we didn't need this. Ooh, monsters. I think the monsters in this movie still hold up. I do, too. I agree. Surprisingly. They, these could have been really cheap looking. but Yeah, but well, I think it's because they're used just the right way. I mean, it, it works that the movie's called Pitch Black and that it takes place in darkness. But, I mean, you, don't, you never get a... No lingering shots. No lingering shots that really emphasize the fact that it's a, a creation. I think even the end where Vin Diesel kind of gets all up in his face, all up in its grill, it um, it does a good job of kind of s- placing you with the with the character as opposed to with the alien. So you, you don't really focus on, hey, that's not real. Here's that stretchy shot again. Yep. <laughs> But like even this shot right here, where you just kind of see them, like there, it's like it's cool looking. It's not, and it looks like a threat. It doesn't look like a, oh, yeah. that's not scary. I mean, it's like, oh, no, that's neat. That's an interesting thing I haven't seen before. It's like this weird raptor mixed with an alien from Alien type thing. They look like they fit in the environment too. For sure, yeah. I mean, it definitely again, it works with the world building. Like it's like they've yeah. obviously evolved in a way that makes sense. They're not like really overthought either. Yeah, they're very. They're, I mean, they're. There's hardly a, there's hardly more to them than just dimension. I'll make it look like the alien from Alien, but don't don't make it look like the alien from Alien. Yeah, let's keep it to one one jaw, guys. <laughs> you know, it's funny that the, uh, the trappings that uh, Riddick is in at the beginning of the movie kind of look H.R. Giger inspired when he's got the thing in his mouth and the. The, uh, the blindfold over him kind of looks. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that again. Smacking them chains. And with the, the tagline for the... come out to play. <laughs> the the tagline for the series is "You're not afraid of the dark, are you?" Yeah. Right. That's in like all like that's in the trailer for the new one, right? I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah, like, that's the. I mean, that's a Vin Diesel catchphrase, you know, aside from, uh, you know, I live my life a quarter mile at a time, and obviously those memorable, memorable phrases from it, X. Uh, you just got you just got Xander zoned or whatever he's saying about it. Oh, I like to forget as much of X as I can. I don't I don't buy X. <laughs> I don't think it's I, awful. I haven't thought about that movie until you just said it, since it probably came out. I like that it was James Bond to the extreme, man. Extreme. He's not just snowboarding. There's an avalanche behind him. Extreme. Extreme times three. It's XXX. Yeah. It's three X's. It's triple, triple extreme. That's like drinking a Mountain Dew and a Four loco. It is like that. <laughs> it is like that example. Oh. You know, if they couldn't get... Uh... Vin Diesel back for Riddick. You know who could have played Riddick? <laughs> Ice Cube. Yeah, I kept thinking that every time. I was like, man, Ice Cube will be so good in this movie too. Like, why yeah. can't they be like a buddy movie or something? They're like they're pretty much interchangeable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they could just make it another installment of the Are We There Yet series. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are we extreme yet? I got it. Yeah. Ice right. Cube. Ice Cube could do Pacifier too, and Vin Diesel could take over the Are We There Yet. Here we go, man. I wish I had a camera. Why? 
because it's going to be one hell of a trick. Classic. Classic. Yeah. <laughs> So for is this the first like extended dialogue scene with Riddick? Like he's had narration, obviously, but I like he might have said something to Rada Mitchell. But I think this is the first time he's had like you know a I, conversation you, with the character. Yeah. Thirty minutes into the movie, the way he holds the gun, he looks like he could be in, a, be in a, like a Boys in the Hood movie. Yeah, or like yeah. co-star in Harsh Times with Christian Bale. Or <laughs> he could be in a David Ayer cop movie. <laughs> One of those. Boy, with the the HD or the Blu-ray, you can really see their sweat pores. Yeah, yeah. Wave of the future. Tell us the future, because that's what all suitcases look like in the future. <laughs> it's a YouTube video. <laughs> I always like that shot quite a bit, actually. That whole, that kind of bendy. We're back to a, a nice sepia, by the way. Yes. Yeah, now, each of the tints represents which sun they're closest to, right? I believe so. Is or that just, what it's supposed just, to be? Yeah, or just, you know, how it's... Which one's illuminating the sky the most. I mean. So, yeah, I guess which one would be closest at the time. Okay. I'm the wimpy guy. I'm going to make friends with the mean guy. Is this wow, look at him chug that fruit punch. He must be thirsty. Is this the most hair Vin Diesel's had in a film until Find Me Guilty? <laughs> um, I gotta check my uh, my boiler room stuff. I think he might have been. I think he might have been tied with boiler room. Um, let's see. Harry Vin Diesel. That'd be a weird search to put, so I'm not going <laughs> to You might not want to see what comes up with that. I would totally disregard all the DeviantArt links that come up. <laughs> um, it's pretty interesting how this whole Marvel thing with Vin Diesel, at first everybody thought he was going to play the Vision because he was you know, standing in front of an Avengers poster kind of motioning toward the Vision, and then it turns out he's going to be the voice of Groot, I guess. Yes. In the Guardians of the Galaxy. Which I think is great, and I thought he was awesome as the Iron Giant, you know, uh, Superman, you know. Yeah. Considering Groot only has the one word of dialogue to deliver, which is Groot, <laughs> um, I think he can handle it. He uh, he said he always likes to uh, do the unexpected. So they may have offered him a bigger Marvel character, and he took that. I, uh, I, I pointed to a picture of Luke Cage in a Twitter picture, and so obviously I'm now being rumored for playing that character. Cause it's all I had heard that. That's all, yeah. all you have to do. That's all you gotta do, huh? I mean, it worked for Simon Pegg. He pointed at Ant Man. I'd say, yeah. I mean, that's just a, playing Ant Man. That's so. how you do so it. He, he's pretty much there. I'm trying to figure out who I want to point at. I'm not sure yet. See, how much hair did he have in Knock Around Guys? Oh, about the same as Riddick. Okay. That's that, a movie I fell asleep to. That's a movie. Yeah, that was definitely a movie. Seth Green dies in that movie. Spoilers. <laughs> Wasn't that during the uh, Let's Make Barry Pepper a Leading Man phase? Well, that's why that movie got delayed, because like, Seth Green, uh, Vin Diesel, and Barry Pepper were all like becoming like 
they were they were they were becoming stars all of a sudden, and so they tried to like hold that movie off, and they, they released it, and then it bombed, and yeah, we're, we're still uh, Barry Pepper's still not uh, he's still waiting in the wings. He's playing like uh, bearded hill jacks now. Isn't he? <laughs> yes, bearded, bearded hill jack is what's on his. Where record. you're like, wait, wait, is that Barry Pepper? <laughs> yep. Yeah, like. Uh, True Grit, I did not realize it was him until the second time I saw it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I did not think about it at all. Well, and Snitch was probably his most normal part, but he still had, like, a three-foot beard. <laughs> Bearded Hill Jacks. I like that Riddick's left such an impression on this young boy-slash-girl that she's like, I need to dress just like this person. Yes. <laughs> the bit of humor in the film. Because there's really not a whole lot of humor. I, mean, I think there's a critic, but yeah, I mean, there's a sardonic sense of humor with Vin, yeah. with Vin Diesel. I mean, that's just more of a effortless I mean, cool thing going on rather than like, hey, these are fun lines. I like this one right here though. He's oh. pretty captivating in this movie, Vin Diesel. I mean, I just I remember his voice. I was like, man, that voice is cool. I remember um, um, Ebert and Roper talking about Riddick in this movie, this or, or Vin Diesel in this movie, and like they. They didn't like the movie, or like they gave it kind of like an okay rating. But like I remember, they they really liked Vin Diesel, and they like they liked the potential that he had as an action star. Where they could just see like they could they can envision a poster that just said Diesel. And yeah, like, <laughs> it's just like it fits so well. Yeah, it, well, it's funny because I mean, people picking this movie up for the first time now, I don't think we'll get the full experience of back then at all because now Vin Diesel, you know, he's a name, and plus you know there's a sequel because I think knowing that the Riddick character carries on further kind of hampers a, a fresh viewing of this movie. That's fair, but I think if you, I mean, if you, if you're watching this movie and you're going with it, I think it, the best kind of thing that can happen in a movie is that you lose yourself in it. And well, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it depends on, I mean, the viewing situation I would say or something like that. But I mean, I, I think it, it does a good job of keeping you in the moment. I think that with this movie, it, because one of the best things this movie does is it, its survivors are totally random. Yeah, if you, I mean, you look at the you look, <laughs> you look at this cast, and you could pick out a few of them. Maybe that would be like, all right, these guys are obviously going to die. But you, you would guess Rodham Mitchell makes it. Yeah, you would, you would easily. Yes, yeah, so that's about the easiest one to guess. And then you're like, okay, well, probably two, maybe one to two other people are going like, to make it out with her. There's four children. Probably the kid. There's four but, children in this movie, so one of them has yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, can't, you can't have all of them survive. That's too many children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you feel like Keith David's going to get it. Like, I, I really was shocked that he made it through the movie. And the Matt Furrier type guy, you definitely know he's going to bite it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he, that guy's just like, yeah, he's gone. <laughs> it, it, it's full of people you think are going to bite it. Claudia Black's like, well, there's already two women here, and one of them seems more important, so... <laughs> Your ancillary character will not survive. You were in the Xander zone. That's what he said to that kid before he got killed. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, if you're watching this now and you know Vin Diesel, you you know Vin Diesel's going to make it. Just, yeah, I, yeah. Because he's Vin Diesel. Like, someone's going to make it out of the movie, and it's probably Vin Diesel. I love when they... I know they've done this, like, a million times in movies, but when they lock the door behind themselves and something's always worse inside. <laughs> I just like that you can take a gun to the lock and automatically shoot the door open. No locksmith, no problem. I also like Cole Hauser's laser tag vest that he's wearing. That's fun. Yeah. 
<laughs> he was on his way to Chuck E. Cheese when the plane when the ship crashed. So. <laughs> He's got a lot of tokens he, with nowhere to spend them. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing like when you watch an 80s slasher film and you watch it, you, you introduce the cast in the first 10 minutes, you're like, yeah, they're going to die, they're going to die. <laughs> yeah. They're going to die. They'll probably survive. Yeah. I mean, so much so they made a point of making, you know, talking about in Cabin in the Woods, you know. Which, which, Aaron, do you think uh, Scott Mendelson would refer to this as a Cabin in the Woods movie? Um, because he refers to Prometheus as one, and I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. I could, well, I, I mean, I, I think I could see it in Prometheus more than I can in this movie. I would say. Well, the tropes are there. I mean, you know, you have the group yeah. slowly being winnowed away by you know an unseen force. It's, yeah, it's just I don't, I don't know. I can't like, I can't see this on a whiteboard. I guess. Yeah. I don't know, like what what you bet on to make this scenario happen, <laughs> Gavin Lewis. Oh, he's got to have chains. Now we're back to blue. Somebody's been filming a Dio video down there. <laughs> It's a lot of hair. Here, hold my purse. <laughs> now, this I'm is not going to hold your purse. Is, is this kind of like one of the last like sci-fi movies of this type for a while? Because like it was 2000, but the Matrix type movies started building up shortly after, right? We didn't get these little small ones. It was all big, big chosen one stuff. Well, well we I mean, sci-fi. It's, it's funny, you know, it kind of, I guess it kind of swings back and forth, you know. I mean, Alien was kind of a reaction to Star Wars. Yeah. You know, this is kind of a reaction to The Matrix, in a way. Matrix came out, what, 99, the year before yeah. this, right? Yes. Um, the, only, the only movie I could think of that's like on a small scale like this recently has been um, Europa Report, which I just watched a couple weeks ago. In terms of simplicity with sci-fi, yeah. Yeah, like and, a smaller scale sci-fi story. And, char- and characters that aren't necessarily making the stupid decisions. Like, also- say, like, before this, we have, a, what, Cube? Probably was on this level? In terms of, what, like, my, um, minor budgeted sci-fi yeah. pieces? Yeah. I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not a Cube guy. <laughs> You're not a Cube fan? I'm not a Cube fan, though. Oh. I like that movie a lot. When it I like out. what it's trying to do, but I I, I I dislike Cube in the same way I dislike uh, Saw, where I admire what's trying to be accomplished, but I just don't think it works overall. Gotcha. I mean, it's just because I'm frustrated with the characters, and I do think they make stupid decisions, and they're not they're not the best actors in either of those movies. <laughs> I don't enjoy. Carrie Elway's going way too big. 
Uh, well, he goes big, but I don't like Lee Waddle at all in that movie. I think he's ah. terrible in that role. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Saw movies either. I like the idea more than I like the execution. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Both that and Cube. These two talking. Are they sitting in like a, a news van? Is that what they're? <laughs> <laughs> so this is where he's saying like, I'm telling Riddick he's going free, but you know he's not going free. That got him right where I want him. And we do we know exactly what Riddick's done that he's this murderer? I think we're just being told that he is murderer. Like I don't think we actually have specifics on. And that's that's all they do in the second one too, right? They just he's a murderer. Yeah, the second, the second ever... one, they, the second one, they downplay the fact that he's a murderer a lot. I think they, they get the, you said they've established that he's, he's badass because he's Riddick, but I, I think they downplay the fact that he has, like, he's committed crimes and he's, like, <laughs> I mean, this one, you could argue, yeah, he, he's also, it doesn't play up his actual crimes, just plays <laughs> up the fact that he's most likely <laughs> murdered people. But I mean, you, you, you certainly you question what. His agenda is in this movie. That one, you're just more like, oh, he's just a rogue. My yeah. hair's not short enough. I have to carve it off with a knife right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> too hot. That's all. It's too hot. Personal shaving. It got, it got to an eighth of an inch. I can't have that. Personal shaving appliance. Yes. That is like one of the most badass things in this movie, though. Using like engine grease to shave his head. What is that all about? Welcome to the Xander Zone. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he says that in real life, but he says, Welcome to the Diesel Zone or something. <laughs> You're not afraid of the diesel, are you? <laughs> That's what he says post coitus. He's just been filled up with. <laughs> or, or does he say, You're not afraid of the VD, are you? <laughs> the VD. Big weekend when this came out. Uh, this was this came out President's Day weekend back in February. The whole nine yards, first place. I like that movie quite a bit. Hanging up, Nora Ephron film, second place. Then Pitch Black, third place. Then Boiler Room is down at like sixth. Don't remember this much dialogue in this movie. Having you know, putting rewatching it now, there's a lot more dialogue than I remember. Yeah, I mean, it really does a. It gets itself going with setting up of Riddick being. It tries to set. Does it? Would you think it tries to set you up of thinking Riddick's the bad guy in this movie that he's the one you just can't trust at all? Yeah. Or are you still kind of thinking? Well, now it's two bad guys. You got Cole Hauser. He's slowly going off the rails. That's kind of the who's who's being revealed right now to be, you know, someone who's not who he is. But then you got Riddick, who he is bad. But now, do you trust Riddick and go with him, or do you trust Cole Hauser as far as you can and go with him? Whereas Rodda Mitchell is pretty much our our main character, and 
now she has two villains to go along with the uh, supernatural. The least likely devil and angel combo. Cole Hauser and Vin Diesel sitting on yes. Rada Mitchell's shoulders. Rada Mitchell's tiny... See, that's what I, I, I like about this movie when I first <laughs> saw it was just that Riddick, he's cool to watch and all that, but you don't you still can't trust him by the end of the movie. Yeah, he's not your. He doesn't turn into a teddy bear. He he continues. He's, he continues being an asshole. Like that's like most of the thing. The things he does to help people are out of necessity for himself for the most part. Yeah, and at the it's end, just, when just when a, yeah. when Rada Mitchell gets carried away by the thing, it kind of looks like he could have done something, but just lets her go. Just the uh, way it's shot. Just, it just. We'll see. I mean, we'll get there. We'll get there. Because I, I like because I, I like how that ending plays. It's, oh, I do. I I do too. But it's just like it's what it, it kind of looks like. Here and Cole Hauser shooting it in the eye. Here we go. Here's a fun scene. According to IMDb, this was Cole Hauser's idea. Yeah. He like learned about to shoot it. It's all I do at home, man. He did, he did, he did, that scene was in Goodwill Hunting, right? It was in Looper too, wasn't it? Where Jiggles really? is shooting himself in the eye. Well, yeah, that was actually yeah. <laughs> yes. But they were just doing drops in the eye. Right. Cole yeah. Hauser's hardcore. Yeah, he, he was taking needles, <laughs> needles, needles to the tear duct. <laughs> That's a fun <laughs> line. <laughs> Owens is already dead. His brain just hasn't caught up to the fact. <laughs> That's funny. Man, this this is the guy that'll become a Miami drug kingpin in Too Fast Too Furious. Yeah, he's in he's in two Vin Diesel franchises yet only stars in one movie with him. I mean, come on, Fast Seven. You think he'll come back? He's got to come back and Jay, get Jay, a, a Jason Tyrese. Statham, Tony Jaw, and Cole Hauser. That's a trifecta oh, I wouldn't oh. want to pass up for the world. Yes. He's like, got to get his revenge on Tyrese. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing if Cole Hauser, like, like, like Jason Statham, so like fed up with the Fast and Furious crew that he's like, I'm gonna get out all their old enemies. And so he gets. He's got to be in their back. He's got to be the. Uh, he's got to be on the Rolodex soon to call. Exactly. To back. So like him, and then then Ava Mendez gets back in there, and then I'm happy. Yeah. What? <laughs> she just popped up for that little end credits tag. She doesn't go international. No, she's FBI in DC. There we go. By wherever the wherever the hell. <laughs> Cole Hauser also been in three movies with Bruce Willis. Okay, let and me let me see if none I none of them me, none me, of them I recommend up. to anybody. Let me see if I can figure them out because I, I I know okay obviously for your uh, we're uh, a good day to die hard. Um, let's see what's another one. Uh, surrogates. No. No. Okay. Although Rada Mitchell was in there, was is it I was going to say Rada Mitchell was in Surrogates, though, wasn't she? Yes. Yes. Who was the other person? Was it Rosamund Pike? Who was the other person in Surrogates? Let's see. Okay, the other Bruce Willis Cole Hauser movies. Let's see. Um, that's a fun part too. Riddick just jumps in. <laughs> they were they were this very close, they were together. very close together. Very close together. Okay. Um, Whew, uh... Okay, this is gonna take too long. What is it? What are they? What are they? What are the other movies? Uh, Hearts War 
and Tears of the Sun. How are those close together? I forget. I remember Tears of the 2002 Sun. 2002 and 2003. Oh, oh, those no, the other two movies were close together. Okay. Yeah. I remember Tears of the Sun now. I forgot about uh, Hearts War. How could you forget about Hearts War? Young, uh, young Terrence Howard and uh, call it like Colin Farrell's like other like we need to put him in everything movie during that time. We had like Daredevil, Hearts War, Minority Report. Like they're just like we need to just put him into blockbusters, guys. This is. Box office gold. Phone phone booth, which I like a lot. He's gonna be the next Barry Pepper. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're saying. Or the next Arnie Hammer. Tigerland's great though. That like his day oh, yeah. movie or whatever. Like that movie's fantastic. Good Jill Schumacher. I mean, him and Jill Schumacher made a good top, made a good combo. I like giving credit to Jill Schumacher when I can. He he, he has some he has some valleys, but he has some good peaks. comes the fun eclipse. I love the um, the sound editing too with the creatures when, once the eclipse takes effect. Yeah, definitely. Like I love it enough where I'd want to like research what they use to make those sounds. <laughs> Riddick's badass. He carries two oxygen things or batteries. Those are the biggest spark plugs I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Keith David carry one. Yeah, I'm Keith David. I don't want to pull on my back, all right? I got to make a real movie after this. Yeah. yeah. I got to go to a Gargoyles convention. Yeah, I do, go do voice acting for Saints Row 4. <laughs> I hear there's an unlockable They Live costume in Saint Row, Saints Row 4. Now I have to buy it. <laughs> I love that movie so much, more than I should. I, have a whole, I'm, I, I should write a blog sometime of movies that I love way more than I should. Like, They Live is one. Uh, Escape from New York is one. Uh, Buckaroo Banzai, you know. I know they're not great movies, but I love them, and yeah, I would Escape. watch them at any time. Hey, you know? hey, John Escape from New York is great. It's a great movie. I, I, yeah, I, I agree. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. I just love that movie from I top to I think They bottom, Live but... is a great movie, too. I mean, yes. Yeah, I do, too. I'm just saying, you know, they aren't, you know, I mean, Roger Ebert isn't going to throw them on his, you know, God rest his soul. If you're alive, you wouldn't put them in his top 100 movies. That's what I'm saying, you know. Maybe not the top 100, but I think he had an affinity for John Carpenter. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Carpenter fan. Actually, that yeah. well, but oh, that, yeah. that said, Very... now that I think about it, I know he actually didn't like the thing, and he wasn't a huge fan of uh, some of the other uh, Big Trouble Little China. But uh, he, right. he gave right. Halloween gave one of his favorite slasher movies yeah. ever. Like, he's the, he's the man who made who, who turned Halloween around. They give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, because it was doing poorly, and then his review apparently came out, and box office sales went up. It still holds up. I love Halloween. I just, uh, I probably watched Escape from New York more than any other movie. Really? Maybe. I, if I had to think about it, yeah. Huh. Really John, Car- John Carpenter from like 78 to like 89 is like awesome. <laughs> when was Prince of Darkness? Like 87? Uh, yeah, and then he had In the Mouth of Madness in the 90s, which was... It's a movie. <laughs> it's got a it's got a lot of fans. It does. Um, I saw that I saw that trilogy. I watched the thing about uh, in the Mouth of Madness and the and um, Prince of Darkness is Apocalypse trilogy, which is fun to do. Andy did his 
Andy did his own soundtrack. She got even credit for that. Oh, yeah. yeah I love sure. his, sco- his scores are great. Him and I always wanted to see, like, a... Hey, let's watch Claudia Black die for a second, because it's, yeah. like, pretty oh, fun. Man. She gets ripped in half. <laughs> Should have laid down. Yep. Rick needs to lay down. You know what the difference between uh, Riddick and Dominic Toretto is? What? A white tank top. <laughs> he's, play, he's dark in this movie. Yeah. That movie's all about family. Families wear white tank tops. This is very nice, too. This shot. You have all these things breaking apart. Just the use, the way it looks on film and everything, it just looks like a, this is like a 90 scene. Let's just stand out here dramatically and look at the monsters for a while. I was like Riddick Vision, also. Yeah, yeah. It's a universal movie, all right. Yeah. <laughs> And now, halfway into the film, it is now finally pitch black. The convenient uh, eclipse that happens every 22 years. Well, there's also the convenient Vin Diesel's eyes. Yes. (laughs) The convenient nocturnal animals that only live every 23 years. (laughs) It's impressive how they can make all these contrivances work to the film's advantage. <laughs> yeah. It's something you don't even care about. It's like when you're thinking about it like a day after, you're like, yeah, well, it's kind of convenient, but when you're watching the film, it doesn't matter at all. When you lay it out on a checklist, yeah, it's like, oh, they yeah. happen to land on the planet that happens to have an eclipse every 22 years, and it happens to be the 22nd year, but they happen to have a guy that can see in the dark to defend themselves <laughs> to the animals against that can happen to see it that only come out in the dark. Every 22 years. Exactly. Yeah. But it works in the context, you know. Oh, we just sprayed for aliens. Once they get in the walls, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> Who would want a piss glass? That sounds terrible. Who would want to light a lighter when they have all those flashlights? Vin Diesel wore contacts, right? It's not yes. CG on his eye. Okay. No, he just has that ability in real life. <laughs> he, he wears. Oh, okay. He wears See? human. He wears human eye contacts when he's not in his movie. Gotcha. Yeah, that's why they cast him. He's an <laughs> X Man. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, actually there's something. The contacts that Vin Diesel wore to play Riddick were a prototype. After the first day of filming, when he tried to remove the contact lenses, they couldn't. Due to where they were filming, they had to have an optometrist flown into the nearest town three hours away. Diesel called the contacts hubcaps. Also, the character of Riddick was a woman in early draft of the script. That's a fun fact. Hmm. That would have been interesting. Who do you think would have played Riddick as a woman? Angelina Jolie? Uh, this time at this time? At this time? At this time? Uh, at that juncture, Famke Jansen, maybe? you got to shave your head, though, obviously. right? That's the only way to play this role. Uh, I'd say Sigourney Weaver would have went for it. I See, think it's too close to Alien. I don't think Sigourney That's why she would... Okay, all right, fine, fair enough. That said, this movie, uh, this movie was out in theaters the same time uh, Galaxy Quest was still in theaters. 
Let's see, women around two thousands. Jeez. <laughs> Is that a Google search right there? Women around two thousands. <laughs> I mean, David Dewey uh, wrote um, G.I. Jane, so he could have convinced uh, just Demi Moore, Demi Demi Moore to come back. Or maybe he got his uh, got Janine Triplehorn from Waterworld get in here. Where's Janine Triplehorn been? There's a question. Yeah. Basic Instinct three. Basic harder. The basicest. Sorry, Gene. I keep saying Janine. Gene Triplehorn. My bad. Even more basicest. Yeah. <laughs> Looks the poster. Yeah. Oh, now it's the alien vision. Just stay by me. I'm the star of this movie. Nothing Listen to the man who knows what he's doing. <laughs> if there's one thing you shouldn't do, it's disobey what Riddick is telling you. Okay, so that doesn't help. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm really stumped. At I, love, what I love this shot right here. If you're going to see like its claw. The way its claws come out always look like that's like a cool 3D shot, even though it's not in 3D. Yeah. It's uh, there, right? That one. There, right? Oh. Like, it's like, that's like crazy. It's not in 3D. And dead. Clever girl. It's better than Clash of the Titans. <laughs> yeah. The three, there we go. The 3D in pitch black is better than Clash of the Titans. That's not saying much. <laughs> Let's fire blindly into the ceiling. Cole Hauser style. It always works so well. If you were to cast Cole Hauser as a superhero, which one would you pick for him? Aquaman. <laughs> Aquaman. Right off the bat, love it. And it uh, works. Henry, Look at his hair. Shield agent Henry Gyrich. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was like a total dickbag. In the run of Avengers, when oh, Shield tried to take to the Avengers, a total bag of dicks. <laughs> Just a big bag of dicks. What kind of bag of dicks? Bag of dicks. Um, I mean, at this point, he'd just he'd play a villain, right? Like you'd have to. <laughs> I'd give him like a really crappy villain, like Batroc the Leaper, or uh, you know, the Unicorn, or somebody, somebody really crappy. Like it's that. weird that Cole Hauser, who's not like an actor I dislike, but it just seems like he's the kind of guy that has one of those faces that generates like you automatically don't trust him at all. Yeah. <laughs> he has one of those faces. You look at that guy for 30 seconds, you're like, yeah, he's a dick. <laughs> so that's why I would cast him that way, I guess. At, be at, at best, he's rival detective. <laughs> rival yeah, detective. In, the, in the American you're remake off the of, case. Hot, of Hot Hauser's on. <laughs> What do you mean he's on? He's terrible. Everybody hates him. <laughs> You're off the case. David, you keep David likes those layers. This must be hot. It helps when the sun's shining. Yeah. <laughs> 
I wonder if it's still warm on that planet after the you know the twenty two year eclipse or however long it's supposed. To... How long is the eclipse supposed to last? Do we know that information? I think it's like a month. Yeah, it's like something super long, right? It's not like. A... I don't think it was that long because they get they get light back, don't they, before the end of the movie? No, 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 they don't. No. Nope. Oh, okay, it's... you're right. You're right. It's at the very end. Okay. The movie may not start out pitch black, but it ends it. Yeah. It gets there. <laughs> Imagine if they didn't catch Jack Black as Riddick. Ooh. Pitch Jack Black. Jack pitch Black Jack. in Pitch Black. <laughs> Riddick, follow us! Ooh, gonna get in a plane. Almost circumcised Cole <laughs> Hauser. Willie, 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 wah! Big Willie style. Um... Hmm. Now I'm trying to think of why like Jack is around. I guess I always figured that he she was like part of like with with like Claudia Black's character or something. I don't know. I like the way the movie tries to resolve the idea of like, hey, the. Uh, we have no sun in the rest of the movie. How do we illuminate scenes based off of yeah. that? Right. <laughs> and like you were saying before, it definitely uses the the darkness trope to its advantage with the special effects. You know, sure. they don't have to CGI as, as much, and they you know they get a lot more bang for their buck not not showing the aliens very much. It's interesting to me. They only shot they shot this whole movie in sixty days. It's pretty quick. It's Especially, quite competent. I mean, for, it works well too. Yeah, it's like uh, pretty quick for you know out in the out in the location shooting in the desert and whatnot. I like this right here. It's cool. I said it looks. Cool. Kind of reminds me of the one of the kaiju in Pacific Rim. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The head, the hammerhead mm-hmm. shark kind of thing. Yeah, it's a month-long eclipse. Okay. That happens every 22 years. And at the time of this movie, it's due to start shortly. Is that the uh, PDF copies of David Tui's tomes for the Chronicles of Riddick? The memoirs of Tui. <laughs> it's after the char- uh, chapter entitled Working with Charlie. Yay, the book of Tui. Nice Volume 4, chapter nice, 8. That's brief <laughs> foreshadowing with the I'll blow liquid onto something and it'll explode higher. <laughs> Which was the coolest trailer shot by far. <laughs> Is that foreshadowing that she's menstruating? Is that what that was? <laughs> Quit staring yes. at your hand. <laughs> Always a weird plot point, too, by the way. She's menstruating, guys. That's why they're following us. <laughs> They well, can thanks smell for including that. They can smell the blood. Reminds me of uh, Friday the 13th Part 2 where they uh, tell the girls they need to uh, make sure they keep clean because it'll track the bears. <laughs> that must be what happened to Miley Cyrus last night. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, bears. You just dated the commentary. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we all just stuck our tongue out. Um, I like how Johns is like, I don't need to do any work at all, even though I have no other plan for us surviving. Yeah. And just shoot it up in my eye. Yeah, cool house He's got a he's got a name that would have worked as an action star. Hauser just didn't have the look. I mean, in Goodwill Hunting two hunting season, I'm sure he had like a crazy action. Star. Yeah. How you like them apples, bitch? <laughs> Here's cool fun. I love I love this stuff with like the aliens just kind of around. Sorry, the, flight from Ikea. The, the planet inhabitants. The, uh, the, the local wildlife. There we go. Why do we stop? out the lights the party's over I, this guy like I, <laughs> just love shooting blindly at stuff that he can't yeah, he see does. and now wine, shoot blindly uh, into the darkness now wine guy makes like the worst decisions <laughs> Yeah, he screwed everything up. He did screw everything up. Like, they're all perfectly fine. And he's like, ah, oh, I gotta crawl away. Oops. Did I do that? And now he did. Oh, I spilled ketchup all over me. I'll never get this out of my robe. That's but he gets, my bud. But we get this great moment right here. Yeah, this is nice. Yes. That's such a cool thing that happens. So cool. I don't I didn't necessarily need to see this next shot where they're like, hey, let's watch him being eaten by things, but <laughs> <laughs> That would have been good enough right there. I'm just gonna watch him being I'm not gonna say anything or react. Waving. Hey! <laughs> waving with their tails. What's up, Riddick? And say, even still, we still have different kind of color schemes going. I'll get that. We had the blue light going, now we have the green light, and now we have like just the regular fire. It's like it. The movie's obviously has a budget, and it's working well to kind of make it work for what the premise of this movie is. Right. And even get the outskirts of the. I mean, the eclipse is at play, but you. You get a sense that the planet is moving. It has to because you see, kind of in the background, there's a bit of light going on. Like it, it's it's doing its best to not seem like a cheat that there's light in the scene. Right. Oh, 
I, my voice is gravelier than yours, my friend. <laughs> no, I'm afraid mine is gravelier than yours. If I had a gravelly voice, I could have been the star of this movie, but no. There we go. Yep. Oh, yeah, I'm a, uh, yep. No penis down there, guys. <laughs> I look like a young, young Wentworth Miller, but no, actually... <laughs> I'm all woman, man. You know, this is not a good time for a tampon commercial. Could we get on with this? <laughs> Sometimes I just don't feel Nose so open. aliens attack me. <laughs> Oof. That look Cole gave. Oh, sure, blame it on her. Yeah, I forgot actually. Cole Hauser has a lot to do on the DVD or on the Blu-ray because he has like the the John's files where he's like him recording him like doing like bounty hunting tracking of Riddick. Like, oh we, yeah, we really is it like audio files. Or? Yeah, they're like audio files, and it's just like a lot more backstory for John's and his search for Riddick. Is it like John's journal? It's something March like. 8th. It is something like that. It's like him swearing a lot. That's what I recall from it. Like he's just like really pissed off the whole time because he can't. He didn't goes, always... didn't f him find him today. Yeah. He's in both the video games too. Both the Reddit video games. I'd forgotten he was in Days to Confused. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. His hair was even more curly. Wow. I like I like that that cool moment he tries to have right there. That's pretty funny. Yeah. You're right. There really are. I mean, I really like the um, conscious use of the different color lighting and stuff. He's getting a little crazy, so they've gone to like this green tint. You know, as he's kind of losing his mind. It's a nice effect. Good continuity. We've seen this before. Oh, yeah? Yep. I'm going to go ahead and shout out my love for the film Red Planet with Val Kilmer. Same year as this movie. I think it was in January, I think. Oh, and, was it? Yeah. This is like a month before this one. Because that, that and like Mission to Mars came Mission out not, Mar- yeah. not too long. Yeah. Oh, my Tim bad. Tim Robbins okay, so Mission to Mars, right? Sorry. Uh, yes. Uh, t- uh, no, my bad. Uh, Red Planet came out in November 2000. Mission to Mars must have been, I guess... Well, I think it was summer, right? Is it summer? Maybe. Maybe they both, spring. They both bombed. <laughs> Maybe spring. It was like an April movie. I remember it's, them coming out like one right after the other, though. Um, yeah, that's not being able to distinguish them. Mars. Let's see. Mission to Mars. Yeah, March. Yeah. That was March. Okay. Red Planet. So spring and fall. I liked Red Planet though quite a bit, and that's very similar to this movie. They're finally having it out. 
I like the lead up to this thing too, the close ups on their eyes. Yeah, it's back and forth. A little bit of a western vibe. You having these guys yeah. face off. It um, uh, yeah, this is, this is fun stuff. We see the showdown. You do see a clear competence in Riddick, by the way, also. He's, yeah. he's just ready to go, and Hauser's obviously, he's off. He's having his drug withdrawals, or he's too high, either one, and he's clearly just not matched for this for this mono mono fight, as opposed to chasing him with a gun around. Also, there's been false confidence and competence, you know? Yeah, yeah. Awesome action movie music there, too. Yeah. Now I'm thinking a lot about Red Planet, how those movies really connect in terms of kind of their one-by-one characters die in both movies after getting stranded Mm -hmm. on a planet. Interesting filming going on with the, the depiction of Mars in that film. Paparazzi's tiled size more is in red place. <laughs> <laughs> Huge flop, though. Red play. <laughs> that movie made no money. I don't I think Mission to Mars made any yeah, money either. Yeah. Yeah. They, they I remember both of them. Things. They had poor reviews, too, didn't they? Both of them? Uh, red Planet got pretty bad reviews, I recall. I think Mission to Mars. I gotta look that up, actually. I'm not sure. I remember being okay with both of them. Yeah. I haven't seen either in probably since around that time, but I didn't mind either of them. I have the Red Planet Blu-ray. Um, I had a Mission to Mars. I like parts of it. I Kohlhauser just gets dominated. By oh. <laughs> I think I think Red Planet has like a twelve percent or something. It's not good. Yeah, fourteen percent. Oh, good product placement for Southern Comfort. Yeah, <laughs> they still have it in this universe. Mission to Mars is twenty-five percent. Wow. So yeah, Rotten Tomatoes is not kind to either of those movies, but. Ebert liked Red Planet. <laughs> I'll go to bathroom with that. There you go. And I like I like Mission to Mars a lot because the cast. I love seeing like crazy Don Cheadle and like Jerry O'Connell in a movie with Gary Sinise and Tim Robbins. Like that movie was like it had some some fun Brian De Palma long takes, even though it was like in a heavily CG world. Yeah, their whole like uh, they spent a lot of time in that movie with like procedural stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. You know the landing and the approach and yeah. So they have Southern Comfort. We're to assume this is like some a future, our our galaxy or universe future, right? Well, we have like hyper travel or whatever, so I, yeah, we can we can go places. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the the you know wine guy died saying I was supposed to die in France. Like he's he's a cultured individual who yeah clearly knows Earth. Are there any Southern Comfort bottles in Chronicles of Riddick? Uh, you've watched it more recently than I have. <laughs> <laughs> there were not. There was no signs of Earth being yeah, known. because you're with, like, the Furies and on all those planets or whatever. In what I assume are outer rims. I 
the necro. The, don't they have a, is a? I think a place is called Necropolis in it. Something like that. Yeah, that sounds yeah. familiar. It's just got some. The planet names and stuff are pretty uninspired in that as well. All the good ones were taken, you know. There's like one called like helium or something like yeah, that. Yeah, helium. That's the prison planet. Yeah, right? yeah, I'm pretty sure of that one. This always feels like a set. Every time I see this scene, it's like somewhere in like a big Universal ride tram tour. <laughs> <laughs> through this canyon could not be I don't know it could be somewhere like I noticed they filmed some of the stuff where they filmed like uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome <laughs> they did shoot a lot of it on location it's probably because they had to like add alien creatures in the sky flying around so they just like did a set for this or something because this looks like a set to me <laughs> That's why the coverage is so close on these guys. It's probably Slow motion running, everybody. Dee da die. Card you blue. Yeah. They kill each other. They kill us. Yeah, they're just they're scavengers. This their blood is an acid. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some green acid blood. Well, how about blue? Okay, okay. Probably better. Usually that cutting comes in handy, too. Gotta try to keep the threat there by making the... do some, some uh, kinetic edits. Followed by another trip to the elephant graveyard. And another one of Keith David's sons dying. <laughs> it's so sad. Oh, he hasn't died yet. Okay, he'll get no, there. No, yet. He'll get there. I got better. Yeah. And yeah, here we go with the example of Riddick's clearly out for himself. And, uh, but. He's got to protect his fan club. Yeah. Well, because he sees the innocence in this person. Like, I think if it was anyone else, he wouldn't give a fuck. <laughs> but, like, it's, yeah. it's this little girl that's menstruating. I like how he keeps telling everybody not to look up, and yet everybody. Yeah, everyone stops up. and looks up. <laughs> don't, don't look up. Don't, whatever you do, don't look up. Rick certainly does take his time to come back, though. <laughs> he really did think about it for a while. He's like, well, he's probably like, maybe she can get it. Yep, here we go. <laughs> he loves taking those goggles off. Yeah. I love this, too. This is just like him taking this beast On by the intergalactic arms. intergalactic world wrestling. 
might have thought this through a little better. Play some shanking action. Followed by some 360 spins. Yeah. And then I'll break its neck. <laughs> he really, you got He's him. Kill it dead. I'm gonna kill it again. <laughs> I'm gonna kill it a few more times. You guys go on ahead. I'm gonna stay here and kill this some more. <laughs> I live my life a quarter kill at a time. He just put that alien in the Xander zone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bringing it back, guys. <laughs> the Xander zone. <laughs> I guess so. Can't wait to revisit Triple X for that commentary. <laughs> oh, man. Give me a call for that one. I will. I guess we'll have to wait till the next Triple X movie comes out then. Exactly, huh? yeah, Triple X. So we'll never, ever do that commentary. <laughs> triple X, X State of the Union, the Triple X Union Address. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be about a Ice Cube's son from Are We There Yet teaming up with Barack Obama. <laughs> no, 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 no. Take it in a new direction. How about Jesse Eisenberg as Jesse Triple X? <laughs> Uh, uh, wait a minute. Yes. Uh, uh, hold on. Uh, before you strap me into that uh, um, uh, parachute, uh, thing, uh, you maybe, maybe uh, I don't know. Maybe we should take this through a little more. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> I sound like a snowboard. Shoot yeah, exactly. With two pistols at the same uh, Excuse me. Excuse me. Am I supposed to kill those guys? His hair is all in his way. <laughs> <laughs> They'll offer it to Michael Sarah first, but then yeah. they'll turn it down. Well, they team up at the end of the movie. Oh, no. There's the sun. Now he's <laughs> oh, oh. Oh. oh, that's horrible. Not my other son! Oh. I do like Keith David here because it's really sad. It's like, God. Oh, Shawshank. No. So on the, the Jesse Eisenberg Triple X, uh, is there going to be a bonus feature that has like the death of Ice Cube's Triple X where Ice Cube's not playing him, but they just have some random guy from the back? They <laughs> 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 get Ice Cube by mistake. Yeah, he's, yeah. Like, he's, he's walking that way and he's like fuck the police and then he gets shot and whatever. yeah no, he, gets killed, he gets killed by a manic pixie dream girl oh jeez all, all all, it all plays into the, the Jesse Eisenberg version that's gonna be some movie somebody get me an executive on the phone I gotta pitch this I want my Jesse Eisenberg triple X <laughs> well, what's, cool, what's going to be cool about the Jesse Eisenberg, Michael Sarah Triple X is that although they're supposed to have feelings for each other, they show very oh! side affection. It's uh... he brought it back. Who would be the villain? Jonah Hill <laughs> <laughs> or Christmas Plasse? Or... Yeah, Jonah it. Hill will be sitting there with his Oscar nomination behind a desk. Yes, something you will never have, <laughs> Mr. Sarah. I, again, I like where. Well, this is. I I like this where Biddick once again is in a situation where he can just leave, and he's pretty much about to. But I also like um, what's coming up in this cave here, where the film event, again try, finds a way to be inventive and like, oh, we found the larva of the aliens that are killing us that are also illuminescent, and um, we could use those to light our way also. Good times. a lot of rain for a desert well you know well they just happened to be there the night it rained on the right. uh, 22nd year for the eclipse 
just a desert. It's not dry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not Nevada. It's more. Uh, sorry, it's not Nevada. It's um, it's more uh, more New Mexico where it, it rains sometimes. <laughs> you know what? After this, uh, only twenty nine more days of the eclipse. Yeah, they Same. just. They should really just cross it off the calendar. Yep. Yeah, here we go. A lot of news already. With the the new light. I like this. It's pretty neat. Aw, see, they weren't trying to kill us. They're cute. (laughs) Let's eat one. Mm. (laughs) Emerges. And yeah, you kind of you kind of forget that the, the movie. I mean, while you had an entirely different landscape based on the fact that there's no light anymore, you're only going between two places in this whole movie. Like you're going between part of the ship and another part of the ship. Right. You retraced your you you've basically backtracked throughout the entire movie. But it does a it does a fun job with playing around with what you're seeing on screen. So. And Riddick's ready to go. He's good. And I'm out. Of course. I'm fine. See you later. Have fun in the rain. Bye-bye. Really pushing Rhonda Mitchell through the ringer on this movie, too. I think Riddick gets, has, has it easier <laughs> than she does. Yeah, probably. She's crawling through caves. She's crawling up rocks in the rain. There might be more Riddick ass shots, though. I didn't count them, but... Considering how messed up Riddick vision is, how's he going to pilot that ship? You know, he's... <laughs> I'm just he, saying. Once he gets into space, it becomes really easy. He's like dare, he's like, uh, the, he's like the daredevil of space pirates. That's what they, that's what they are called. Him. <laughs> not, not for nothing, but... In, because we've given the recent news of Batfleck, I uh, watched Daredevil's director's cut just because that's how I roll. Good movie, I like it. Quite yep, a bit. I solid, solid stuff. Affleck's I solid. agree. I know, I've never seen the director's cut, and I've had it recommended to uh, to me by several people. It's a solid crime movie, superhero. I mean, it's it's not without its flaws. I mean, everyone's jumping around on wires like no one's business in that movie. It's like ridiculous, but I mean, it's it's. Features Coolio. Features Coolio in a, a good subplot. I'm, I'm just wondering if that's the voice that Affleck's going to go for as Batman. That kind of Daredevil voice that he had. Eh. Yeah, I never know. I don't that's, know. That's got to be better than the Christian Bale growl. I mean, <laughs> the hockey pads. That's a that's a whole other discussion. Pray anyway. to me. Anyway, back to Riddick. I like this. He still doesn't give her the time of day. He's like, there you go. Here, <laughs> save yeah. everybody. Peace. Actually, I do like this quite a bit. This this scene's really neat. It, the way you, the way Riddick challenges her and like bringing her arc to, to to the forefront, where you, he knows what she tried to do, and he's putting putting her into a position where she could save herself again, and really making her have to make a a deep choice here. It's it's neat. It's a neat way to keep it very character focused, despite the fact that we've had an entire second act focused on avoiding monsters.
And Riddick's just super smug about it, too. <laughs> but yeah, Brandon, I see what you're saying, too, because you don't, you, you don't entirely know what Riddick is all about by the end of this movie still. Yeah, because if she doesn't catch up to him, he might have just taken off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not even might have. He's he was done. He was ready. He was, yeah. the, he was in the cockpit. He was ready to go. It's cool how uh, you very rarely anymore in movies get like the morally ambiguous hero. You know what I mean? Like you'll get somebody who'll start out as a scoundrel in the beginning to end up being a uh, softy at the end, kind of like you know, yeah. Solo or whatever. Um, or is, some, is someone you're just you, you you get what they are and you're fully rooting for them either way or, or enjoying them here you're just not sure yeah you're on the fence you're on the fence with riddick from the start to the finish like i would argue like statham's been able to work that in like, yeah in like the crank movies i think that in other well i'd say in crank you're still rooting for him yeah you're rooting for like yeah, yeah. i mean he's he's all he's always for himself in those movies i would say though I mean, you you commit to rooting for him here. Yes. I, I don't commit to rooting. Okay, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. All. That's fair. That's fair. Right. He's clearly the good guy in Crank. He's yeah. I I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. In this in this movie, and again, yeah. If you were to separate it from the Riddick universe and even just Vin Diesel stardom, yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah, you would not necessarily know who. Which the, is where which is where we were at with him when this movie came out. Yes. So yeah, I agree with you completely on that then. I think a good example of a morally ambiguous hero just recently was in a video game, uh, Last of Us. Um, yeah. Not to spoil the ending, but Joel, Joel at the end of it, I mean. He's making some decisions there that you question. A little bit, exactly. You know, you're not really sure where he stands even at the end of the game. I mean, but it's it's rare that anymore that that's your protagonist. You know, even in this, I mean, like you say, you know, Rada Mitchell is, is ostensibly the, the hero, you know. Um so, I mean, it's, it's hard to pull it off, too. I mean, the actor has to be have a certain amount of charm to get over that, that villain uh, aspect, you know, that the audience, you know, would root against. Oh, I know a great example. I just thought of Walter White. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's, I, I, yeah. I, I can't believe I didn't think of him first. You that's taken take to, that take to an extreme, that's for sure. But, yeah, I mean, talk about morally ambiguous. You know, gone, gone from, you know... Uh, high school science teacher to Scarface. <laughs> and just like Riddick, you're, not, you're still not sure where he stands totally. Squealing. Looper addresses those questions too in interesting ways, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, w- I would say Bruce Willis's character is very much his iteration of the. Because mm-hmm. it's yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of double-edged swords in that movie. It, but is that is that because you're? Does it help somewhat that you're rooting for him in a part of the movie because he's Bruce Willis? Because for a while there, you're going with the character. But... I think. I mean, that's the kind of thing that makes Looper such a great movie to me. <laughs> oh yeah. It yeah very great. Let's uh, let's focus on this action right here. We're, All right. Again, this this 3D thing where it, it, it not alien mouth. Yeah. But not shot to be in 3D. Yeah, but it just looks like it's like I could <laughs> I could see this in 3D. <laughs> All 
but yeah, now. I love I love that Riddick stare down though, just the way he portrays makes that scene work. And then shit happens right here. It's <laughs> the only time where Riddick kind of doesn't look full. He looks confident, but not he's incredibly not incredibly confident. Not in control, right? Well, yeah, yeah, but then he pulls out that knife, and you see, well, he's going to have to deal with the situation. But yeah, when that thing, when that second one arrives, that's like the first time you see him as vulnerable in this movie. And then I guess the second time follows shortly after because you're going to see Rada Mitchell come up in here. He's dead. No, wait. He's alive. No? Yes. <laughs> it's funny how the alt. I. I thought they, sh- I thought they shot it that way too. Didn't they like shoot the version where where Riddick dies and she doesn't? Uh, they did I, originally. I it said so in the IMDb trivia. I know that's how it's supposed to be, but did they shoot it that way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then like reshoot it because it's not in like the deleted scenes at all or anything. So. Mm. I don't know. Might have been. It might have been in the shooting script, and then uh, during production they changed their mind. Watching like the dailies and. Yeah. There. Well, Riddick obviously got—he got one of them, that's for sure. <laughs> and oh, oh, what's going see, on? See, he just like look, look at him. He just kind of well, see ya. I, th- I think that I—I I think he just knows though, like it, because well, one thing is in slow motion, and he—it's obviously it's hooked into her. Like he does great. He grabbed after her though. He grabbed her arm. Yeah, it took me by big time surprise. First yeah, I remember time. seeing it the first time. I thought maybe he had stabbed her. Yeah. Um, you know, accidentally or something. How <laughs> cold blooded would that have been? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then you're you know, not the coming for the happened. ride. It is a pretty dark ending. Yeah. And I survived because I am Keith David. But following the loss of three sons, Keith David would then go on to hold uh, ass-to-ass parties. <laughs> Just months later, I think. This movie I, I, I saw once, and I don't think I ever want to see it again. No, it wouldn't be as effective. Yeah, and it's like Dancer in the Dark. You know, I'm glad I saw it, but I don't yeah. think I'd watch it again. That's a good key example, but yes, that's, I agree. I'm not... I'm not lining up to see Requiem and Dancer in the Dark and a number of other movies again and again. I'll watch Black Swan a lot, though. I'll watch that. Black Swan's great. I'll watch The Fountain a lot. I'll watch other, like... well, other Aronofsky. I mean, I'll watch other movies. <laughs> and I love Train Spotting. Like, I can watch that all the time. Yeah. There's a different tone going on there that opposed to Requiem, though. But... Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Without saying goodnight. Welcome to the Xander Zone. I mean, oh, no, I got the rule of threes, Aaron. The rule of threes. <laughs> There's no rule of three in the Xander Zone, Jim. Oh, no, he did it again. He's flying into the Xander Zone. Yeah. That shot just said it kind of looked like the Winnebago over Spaceballs. Yes, I was just going to say that. 
Need some 80s metal to be playing <laughs> as it went by. <laughs> oh, yeah, isn't it? Cole Hauser's a merc, right? Yes. So they call the bounty hunters. Yeah, mercenary, yeah, merc, right? Yeah. Did you like, um, well, I know, Brandon, you've seen it, but I'll ask Jim first. Jim, did you see Dark Fury? Is that what it's called? The uh, anime? Yes. The anime? No, I haven't. Okay, so, Brandon, did you, did you like Dark Fury? It's okay. It's, uh,. At, at 30 minutes length, it's much better than Chronicles of Riddick. <laughs> um, it reminded me a lot of Eon Flux. and uh, Yeah, it was Peter Chung, I think, who did the animation. Yes. Yeah. Um, that, and it reminded me, it felt like the Animatrix, which I'm sure that's what, where they got the idea, because that was like was... The, the hot thing to do, the tie-in. Peter Chung also did, did a segment for the Animatrix. Yeah. Do you know what's the one? runner? It was the runner one, right? World. The one about the runner. Yeah, I can't remember the title. It's, it's about like the runner. World, who... world record. Yeah. yeah, something like that. The 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 second Renaissance of the Animatrix I thought was better than either of the second two um, Matrix movies, but I, I like the Animatrix as a whole better for some reason. Yeah, it's an that's an entire other debate, but I'm not going to get into that. It is because I, I, I love I, I love Reloaded and um, but uh. Hey. But yeah, Dark Fury. That, that was that was an interesting idea. I, I like that they was like, hey, we can have a, a a bridge connector, I guess, and we, yeah. they brought back the entire cat, like the same, or at least they brought back uh, Keith David and. Uh, and then they brought the guy from uh, Chronicles oh. of Riddick, the the Merc character, and that was introduced. Yes, correct. <laughs> and they and they had the gudge, the the girl guy that's in this movie in that one, but they didn't have her in uh, Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, you want to come voice this, but we're re- we're totally recasting you for the. Uh, Bubba, yeah, that's uh, that's pitch black. <laughs> it's a uh, holds up. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I yeah, keep definitely. liking it more every time I watch it. So it's a solid little uh, sci-fi movie. Good, good original characters. I mean, it, it obviously calls to to other sci-fi, but I mean, it works its own thing. It it set up a universe. So I mean, it could could jump. I like the, the, one of the main strengths of this, like we're saying, is that it didn't extend its reach very far, and then. You know the sequel. That's all it did. <laughs> it, it, well, it reached too far. Way too far. Yeah. Jumping exactly. off this, yeah. So hopefully Riddick will be a nice kind of back to basics version, but hopefully not too much of a too much reliant on doing what made Pitch Black work and trying to be its own thing. But who could say right. no to a film that has Bokeem Woodbine in it? I mean, that's like right there. I'm I'm in. So. And Katie Sackoff. Katie Sackoff. And uh, Dave Bautista. <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> and the return of Carl Urban, of course. I mean, I can only. Wow. No, uh, no Judy Dench this time around, though. Unfortunately, so that's a little sad. But uh, she couldn't be bothered to be in Riddick. <laughs> just take time to consider, by the way, that Judy Dench was in a Vin Diesel action sci-fi movie. <laughs> something that humor. Yeah, yeah. No extent. I hope she's in the next Triple X, though. <laughs> in this Judy Dench is Triple X. Triple X. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take you to the Santa Zone. That's, that's, that's oh, my horrible Judy Dench. I want this to be true. <laughs> oh. Alright, so I think we can... Now we have that, to watch Triple X just to learn note, about the Xander Zone. I think we can uh, wrap it up with this commentary here. Um, that's going to do it for this 
bonus commentary episode about Now There and Abe. You can, of course, find all my work at my personal blog, thecodeazeek.com. You can find all my movie reviews as well as at widesimply.com for my reviews there. Uh, Twitter.com slash Aaron's PS3. You can follow me there. Uh, Brandon? Uh, you can find uh, my work at uh, my just my blog, Naptown Nerd, uh, naptownnerd.blogpot.com, which I'm currently doing a Riddick rec- retrospective. So if you want to hear mm. more of my, or read more of my thoughts on uh, Pitch Black, Chronicles of Riddick, Riddick and Dark Fury, um, go there. Uh, also, um, I, com. I do Blu-ray reviews there, and check it out. I got a lot of cool stuff uh, if you're a horror fan for September. Indeed. Jim? Awesome. Uh, majority of my stuff can be found at hhwlod.com, including my uh, uh, somewhat bi-weekly blog, uh, The Uniquely Geekly Reader. Uh, you can check out The Long Box of Doom, the Walking Dead TV podcast there, um, the, the Really Big Show or The Really BS Show. I'm also on the uh, Nothing's On podcast on the Taylor Network or podcast.com, uh, weekly television and movie review show. Check that out as well. Awesome. You can, of course, find out the other episodes about Now There Today on iTunes. Check us out at hhwlod.com, which is, of course, what Jim just mentioned. Outnow.podomatic.com. You can find most of the newest episodes there and some exclusives. Outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Feel free to email us your thoughts on Pitch Black or the Riddick character in general. Facebook.com. Twitter.com. Underscore podcast. And um, yeah, the, the Tumblr page as well. Our Outnow podcast there. All, all of that. All of that. You can follow and like those pages. We love interacting with our listeners. And, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for this uh bonus commentary episode of course we need our secret phrase because i'll send you something in the mail if you email us uh, the, the secret phrase of the commentary so i'll just say um, uh, uh cole hauser's tear ducks there you go email us that phrase and i'll send i could probably send you pitch black on dvd actually since i have that so there you go and uh yeah thanks for anyone that stuck around throughout this entire commentary bonus points if you actually watch the movie while listening to this commentary because i always think that's kind of fun and uh until next time so long and bye